Time to return to our series on New Zealand sporting history. We've been doing it over the last couple of years, uh, taking great moments and great people in New Zealand sports and examining them in a little more detail. Well, today's guest is New Zealand's most successful rally driver, the only New Zealander to win the World Rally Champs with eight WRC podiums. And after some challenging years, he won the FIA European Rally Championship in August becoming the first ever winner from outside of Europe. Uh, today, for Sporting History, we're talking a lot about Argentina in 2016. A huge year for Hayden Patton, who joins me now. Hi. G'day, how's things? Good, mate. Thank you for your time today. Real privilege to talk to you. Uh, what are you up to at the moment? Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. But, uh, you yeah, know, just, I guess, busy at the end of the season now. We've had a pretty, pretty busy year this year uh, on and off the racetrack. So, uh, I guess starting to put plans in place for 24 and um yeah bit of a process to that was rally car driving on your radar as a boy uh yeah it was i guess ingrained into me from a very young age my father was a rally driver and and you know to be honest it's all i ever remember being around um you know starting go-karts when i was six and, and driving race cars when i was 12 and uh you know for me it's always been more than just a sport or a hobby it's just it's been a way of life so uh, i wouldn't know any different awesome and um yeah, loads of successful um, drivers start off in go-karts. How did you sort of end up gravitating towards rally driving? Was it about what your dad had done? Yeah, a, a combination of, of that, but also, you know, looking up to some of my idols at the time, you know, Colin McRae, Possum Bourne, um, you know, watching what they were doing around the world. And, you know, for me, it was very clear that's what I wanted to do. Um, obviously, to try and get to World Championship at that point was, was just a boyhood dream. Um, uh, you know, it was nothing more than that. Obviously, I loved I love driving and, and I always wanted to go faster. It wasn't until later on when a few of the pieces of the puzzle started to come together and, um, you know, you started to realise that, you know, what we thought was impossible could actually be possible uh, and then we started working towards that. What was your first proper car? A uh, little Mini, uh, so, <laughs> which probably probably explains why I have a sick obsession with classic Minis nowadays. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got a few of them in the shed and, uh, you know, that was a great car to learn to drive in. Um, obviously a little pocket rocket if you like um they sometimes fell over on you but other than that they were good fun and then you had a toyota corolla at some point too i uh, yeah, my father's toyota corolla which was his rally car um, which was about at the time we you know he began to let me drive his car and little did we know at the time it was actually the last time he drove a rally car um so there was definitely a transition period there that you know maybe he was aware of but certainly i wasn't at the time yeah um and for people who don't know the sport at all can you Give us a bit of the the sort of the ins and outs. How does how does rally driving work? Yeah, obviously it's about driving a car as fast as you can from point A to point B. Um, but unlike uh, circuit racing or Formula One, you know we're doing it out on gravel uh, roads, um, which are public roads, which are closed uh, for the events that we do. And it's a little bit like Tour de France in the respect that you do a lot of stages over the course of an event, and between each stage, we tour on the normal roads uh, with the road rules. The cars are all road legal to get to the next stage. Uh, and, it, you know, it's basically a big adventure over the course of the two or three days of the rally. You've got service spots uh, where you can do work on the car with your team. Um, and basically, you don't know the road, so your your partnership with your co-driver is crucial because we have pace notes, which is our own shorthand description of, of what the road is ahead of us, and that's what we drive to uh, at full speed. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a big team sport, as all sports are, um, you know, but more so even in, in our sport with between mechanics, engineers, co driver um, and everyone else in the team. Yeah. 
but you're the um, you're the face of the team, I guess, which is a lot of pressure and uh, a privilege too, I'm sure. How, how far did your dad get, by the way? Uh, he, well, dad was quite a late bloomer, uh, bloomer yeah. if you like. He, he didn't really get started in the sport until he went and watched uh, Rally New Zealand in the late 80s and, and got hooked on the Group B cars and things back then. So he didn't have anyone before him, um, so he took it on as a bit of a hobby. Uh, you know, he's very focused on his business at the time and um, so he was just sort of just focused around South Island uh, rallying. He did one national championship. Um, but, yeah, he was a bit of a madman behind the wheel. So uh, he certainly knew how to drive, uh, but I guess he had other priorities in life at the time <laughs> to, to take it any further. He must have been stoked when his son took an interest and showed some promise. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it was. I, I guess you could almost say it was in the blood. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as a one- or two-year-old in nappies, um, you know, getting taken along to rallies. And, and when that's what you brought up around him, that's just what feels natural and it was obviously a major catalyst and, you know, helped me teach me how to drive and give me opportunities. Obviously, we had to work very hard. We, we weren't a wealthy family, um, so we had to work hard to, to make the finances work. But obviously, you know, Dad did everything he could uh, to make it all possible as well. That's awesome. Yeah. And as a young man at Geraldine, are you just thinking about the next race or do you have this kind of dream or, or goal of how far you want to get in the sport? Of course, I had a, a goal and a dream to be a world rally champion. But you know, as I say, that was like equivalent to a kid wanting to be an astronaut. It just it seemed very far fetched. And um, but you know, I always had very specific goals in place, whether it was one year goal, five year goals, or even ten year goals. Um, but there was an element of that where you sort of had to sort of play it a little bit by year in terms of what opportunities would arise, and, and you had to try and make sure you're in the right place at the right time to to create those opportunities. But you know, I think what made it harder for us is that there wasn't a perceived pathway. Obviously, Possum Born just started the dabble um, mm. in the Production World Championship the year he passed away. Um, but there wasn't really anyone who had done it from New Zealand before in, in that regard and, and didn't know which direction, which pathway, which contact, which teams, uh, a whole lot of elements, or even how to get out of New Zealand, um, which is a massive step financially to, to make that step from New Zealand to Europe, um, how we how would make that all possible. So, but you're a pretty driven kid by the sounds of things. Did you used to go door to door looking for sponsorship and help with your uh, with your dream? Yeah, well, I had to start somewhere. Um, <laughs> I remember a conversation with my father. He he said how I, how I was going to fund uh, the sport, and you know, at the time, I naively naively replied saying I'll just work two or three jobs, which I tried and worked out that wasn't enough. So yeah, at the age of thirteen, we we started a shop building campaign, which was my hometown, and we went around to local businesses and. Um, asked them to put a hundred dollars into the pot, and we went out and did a promotion campaign, and, and that's where the whole sponsorship hunt started from. Um, you know, when I was thirteen years old, and, and from that time, learned that commercial partnerships is what makes us possible. Mm. Um, but also, commercial partnership is, is not a donation; it's actually something that you have to give a return on investment on, and it's about how you do that. And, um, you know, I've actually really enjoyed that aspect of it. I've yeah. been doing that side for a number of years now. Um, and unfortunately, we haven't found the money tree yet, but that, it's, uh, that's probably as big a part of the sport as what the driving is. Gosh, that's interesting. And, and I suppose you learn a bit about business and what drives business too. Oh, 100%. At the end of the day, you know, we, we have a small business now with our motorsport business, which is trying to help our sporting side. But, you know, all businesses are in the same position of, you know, you're effectively always trying to grow, you're trying to develop, you're trying to make a little bit go a long way. Um, and you know it's the same with us in our sport but then also as a sport when we're knocking on businesses doors you know you, you have to give a reason why it's going to be a benefit to them and you know just putting a sticker on the side of a race car doesn't actually give it any true value uh, the value is in you know the activations behind the scenes it's about working with the customers it's about 
yeah. um, you know, increasing sales or increasing loyalty to a brand and, and that sort of stuff that you need to be thinking outside the box on, on how you provide that. Yeah, it's funny, eh? Because you, I mean, that was be, be, would be true of all professional sports, but I think in some sports there'd be a bit of a, a layer in between the sports people and the business. Like I imagine if you're um, playing for Barcelona and you've got to show up at some sponsor thing, you sort of roll your eyes and... And you do it, and you get back to playing the sport. But you're very much kind of at the at the face of that interaction. Yeah, and it, it depends. It, it differs from sport to sport. Yeah. You know, for example, All Blacks or Formula One or Barcelona football team, like you say, you know, they have such a, a following that it is about more a brand awareness, mm. a brand placement. Whereas in a sport like ours, which is more of a minnow sport in New Zealand, it is obviously a lot bigger in Europe. Um, we have we can't we can't rely on that. We have to more focus on the experiences and and the things that we can offer that you know you can't necessarily buy. Um, so it's a different approach in that respect. And you know every sport I guess is a little bit different. Great. I'm talking to Hayden Patton, by the way, if you've just tuned in, a New Zealand rally driver. And at 21, Hayden, you became the youngest winner of the New Zealand Rally Championship. That must have been huge for you. Yeah, it was certainly a dream come true to, to win New Zealand Rally Championship. You know, as a, as a kid growing up, New Zealand Rally Championship is what you looked up to, and, and there's a lot of drivers that you know you knew and watched on TV. So, to be in that position to win that championship was, um, you know, a dream come true. And uh, yeah, we missed out the previous year by one point. Um, so, you know, the fire in the belly to come back and yeah. do it in that second year was was even greater. And I think I got this timeline. So that was 2014. And then in 2015, Hyundai Motorsport announces a contract with you. And, and that might just like sound like um, pretty routine to someone who doesn't know much about rallying. But how rare is it to be signed to a manufacturer's team like that? Yeah, well, there was, there was a lot more steps in place uh, when we won our first New Zealand Championship in 2008. And then when we got signed to Hyundai for the first time as a factory team was 2014. So there were six years. Sorry, of, I have got that timeline yeah. wrong. Yes, yeah. as you, there were a few <laughs> years in between. Yeah, a few years in between. A yeah. lot of hard work, a lot of yeah. uh, We went, went through New Zealand Championship, went through the support categories in WRC. A lot of funding. I think we had to privately fund about $4 million uh, to go through those support categories and a lot of people that got behind us. And Seriously? Yeah, it was it was a journey. It was a journey. Um, times where it got pretty tough, um, emotionally, physically, uh, financially, everything. And you know, it was very easy to pull the tail at any point. But you know, luckily for us, Hyundai announced uh, their involvement in the WRC um, basically at the right time. If you like, if it was another year later, it probably would have been too late for us. Um, and then, of course, Man. we went after that like a dog with a bone in terms of you know trying to make ourselves known to the correct people around the world within Hyundai. Um, it was a brand that was a lot more, uh, I guess, relevant in this part of the world compared to the brands that were already in the WRC. Um, and yeah, when we finally got that opportunity to be signed up to a factory team, was uh, was absolutely incredible. It's what we'd been working so hard towards for those six years, um, and to finally have it come to fruition was a Another dream come true on, on another whole level. Um, but, of course, once you were there, then you were focused on trying to make the most of it. Yeah. And so just so people can understand, you can be, the, in theory, the best driver in the world. But to be among the points, you really do need to be attached to one of those manufacturers' teams. Oh, 100%. Like, at the end of the day, you know, to put in perspective, a, a top manufacturer team, and there's only three of them in the world, uh, then and even now, you know, their budgets and up to 100 million euros a year. You've got 200 oh people gosh. working there. And wow. Compare that if you're a private team of, say, a dozen people, you know, just resources and finances alone, you, you can't even compete. So there's effectively, uh, I guess, eight 
seats in the world uh, to be in a factory seat within rallying. Um, and so to be able to secure one of those was a very, very rare opportunity for us and obviously something we're very fortunate for, um, something we worked very, very hard for, I must add. But um, obviously, you know, you can be the fastest driver in the world sometimes and, and you can't open those doors. So uh, there was a lot of pieces to that puzzle and, and a lot of people involved to, to help make that come to fruition. I think a few of our listeners might have watched the uh, Formula One documentary series Drive to Survive. I don't think there's a rally equivalent yet, but um, some of that behind-the-scenes stuff is pretty fascinating. I mean, if you just watched a bit of Formula One, you would think it was a, a driver and obviously a bit of a team, but not a whole building and hundreds of people all obsessed with getting those points. Same sort of thing when you're uh, part of a, a motorsport team like Hyundai. There are that many people all trying to make the car go faster and, and trying to do whatever it takes to get you on the podium. Oh, exactly. At the end of the day, you know, whether it's Formula One or, or WRC, you know, the manufacturers are investing a lot of money to win. You know, they're, they're there to win and, you know, that ultimately helps them sell cars or, or products and and they'll do whatever they can to to take the rules to to the level that gives them a, a an advantage, if you like. Um, and yeah, I love being part of that. Obviously, your role in those teams as a driver is a little bit different to when you're in your own smaller team, if you like. You know, you are there just to drive and to prepare yourself as a driver as best as you can. Um, you know, the working on the cars, the marketing, or anything like that is is all at the door. Um, you're there to do a specific job and. Um, yeah, it's a pretty surreal surrounding to be in, but it does put a lot more pressure on as well. It's very cutthroat, like any professional sport. Um, you know, if you have a good result, you're everyone's friend, and if you have a bad result, then you're out the back door pretty quickly. So, um, <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, it, it does put the pressure on. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the role of the co-driver there, and if people have seen any rallying, they've probably seen or heard the co-driver uh, calling the turns. Uh, who were you with at that point? Uh, been with John Kennard um, and still with John uh, to this day. We've been together well, 18 years now in the car, so we're as, as good as a married couple. Um, but, you know, John's been instrumental to a lot of things that we've done, particularly in our early years. You know, he's, he's a bit older than me and a lot more experienced, and he was able to teach me a lot of things uh, when I was younger and, and help develop us to a certain point to to get ourselves on, on the international stage. Um, and then nowadays, obviously, after 18 years, we both trust in each other's jobs that we're doing, um, and, and we just get on with it. Um, so that's that's obviously been a very important relationship uh, in and out of the car. Um, there was a two-year window there where we had a British co-driver step in. Um, some politics within the WRC team meant that um, John had to step aside there um, for a little bit. But then um, once we come back to New Zealand, we were very quickly to get John back on board again. And he's loving it as much as ever and, and as competitive as myself as well. Fantastic. Well, uh, a pretty good season for Hyundai Motorsports in 2015. I think you came ninth overall. Does that sound right to you? Um, and then 2016, uh, even better. I promised we'd talk a bit about Argentina and tell me about that, um, That what do we call it, a round? Yeah, look, um, 2015 was still a learning year for us. And, you know, we we're on a one-year contract at that time. And, you know, all we were trying to do that year was to secure ourselves a multi-year contract to try and take some of that pressure off and so we could focus more on the performance and obviously getting our first podium in 2015 and, and then securing a three-year contract that sailed in 2016. I guess set us up pretty well and, um, you know, we went into 2016 very positive. We had a brand new car with the team. It was working well. It was working for my driving style and, and then, um, you know, we were on the podium on the second round in Sweden um, and then, yeah, round four in Argentina was one that we'll never forget to... 
you know, we, we probably, our goal was to win our first WRC rally that year. Um, these 13 rounds in a year, and, and we wanted to win one. Um, but we certainly weren't expecting to do it in Argentina, yeah. which at the time probably wasn't my favourite rally. Yeah. Um, What's the track like? Very rough, very technical. Um, but in terms of the atmosphere and everything, they're like second to none. Like, you, you've got up to a million spectators over oh. three days camping up in the Andes. It's this, this massive party vibe. And, to be at the centre of all that is uh, is pretty surreal. Um, so, yeah, a cool rally. Tell me how that works then. Um, can you explain the format of a round and, and how you win it? Yeah, so uh, WRC rallies were effectively in the country for a week. Um, so prior to the rally, we go out and do the reconnaissance and write our pace notes. Um, but then the competition element begins from the Friday. So... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three days of competition, um, and I think roughly there was about 20 different stages over those three days. So it's your accumulated time uh, over those uh, 20 stages, and um, you know at that level you you can't afford to even have one bad stage. Mm. If you have one bad stage or a spin or a punch or anything, then you you know you're at the back of the top 10. Um, so it's about being fast and consistent throughout those three days and. Um, going into the last day, we we had a 30 second lead uh, over the seven time world champion Sebastian Ogier and. Um, you know that morning was actually it was actually a day of two halves. It was um, worst day of my life and the best day of my life. <laughs> and, you know, I say the worst day of my life because you know that morning the the pressure of trying to win our first WRC rally with a thirty second lead, you physically felt sick. You know, this is the stuff that dreams are made of. You know, I remember watching Colin McRae as a kid and watching them win WRC rallies and, and obviously championships and I never ever thought I'd be in the position uh, that we we could actually win a rally. You know, it was, took us the best part of 15 years to be in this position and, yeah. you know, we didn't want to let it slip and, um, you know, that's almost what we let, let it happen, to be honest, because over the next uh, three stages on the Sunday, uh, Sebastian OJ um, reduced the lead to two seconds going into the final stage and <laughs> myself, along with the rest of the rally world, thought that he was going to, um, you know, beat us and, and take us for the win on that last stage but I, I guess the sort of element of anger and and um, I guess you know wanting yeah. not let this desire huh? fingers, desire and passion and everything sort of come over us and the last stage of the rally we just thought you know we're not we're not letting go of this I'm just going to give this everything through caution to the wind and we basically drove the stage of our life um, and not only held on to the wind but we you know we won the stage by something like 11 seconds and and won the rally. So to go into a final stage battle after three days uh, of competing um, with the best, one of the best drivers of all time, uh, is definitely, you know, pretty unbelievable. Um, and it's the best way to win a rally when you're in a, a pure dogfight situation. Um, so yeah, unexpected that we were, we were going to do it, um, but that's what made it even better. Just amazing. Hey, tell me about the uh, flag. The flag? Oh, I, I don't recall so much about that, to be honest, but, uh, you know, obviously part of it is, that, you know, you know, you get thrown flags from fans and bits and pieces to put on the car at the podium, so we got thrown a Kiwi flag to, to put over the car, and um, obviously, you know, we're very proud of where we come from, because ultimately, without the support and everything we've had in New Zealand, we, we certainly wouldn't be able to do what we did, so um, to represent New Zealand on the world stage of motorsport uh, was, was pretty special. Yeah, I think you flew the black and silver fern flag. Yeah, well, I think we just got given whatever we were given. Yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't go over the air. Uh, no one would notice now, probably, but uh, was the flags were a hot topic in New Zealand at the time. 
Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> there was a few politics involved, which was not what we intended. We were there just to compete and, and represent our country, but uh, unfortunately, the flag debate got caught into it, and yeah. I was trying to I was trying to stay out of that. <laughs> okay. So where to from there? Because that was um, obviously a real high point, and then twenty seventeen, um, pretty blooming tough, eh? Yeah, obviously, I think 2016 in general was, was good. Um, you know, we ended up fourth in the championship and uh, you know, our progression was done in a good way. And, you know, the next step up for that was more podiums, more wins yeah. um, through 17, 18. And, yeah, 17 obviously got off to the, the worst possible start. You know, unfortunately, we had an accident in the first round of Monte Carlo on some black ice. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's still pretty hard to um, comprehend that, you know, Someone was standing where they were, and mm. you know, beside the point of the standing the right or wrong spot. But you know, they, you know, the car hit them, and and unfortunately, they didn't survive that. And um, you know, obviously, you never want to see that in, in any no. sport. Uh, and you know, it was it was pretty hard to, to to deal with that, especially when we're living on the other side of the world. You know, we didn't really have a support network. Yeah, um, I hadn't thought about that rally, actually. Yeah, it was, it was tough. It was tough, and then yeah, you know as compassionate as you wanted to be about the situation, you know, my job also that I was employed to do was to drive cars. And, yeah. you know, we were expected to be back in a car two weeks later for the next round. Uh, and, you know, it probably did take the next three or four rallies or, or months to try and get back into a bit of normality in terms of it feeling natural again. And, and um, you know, the mental side of it was, was a big part. So, yeah, the, the year got off the, I guess, the worst possible start, not just for us, but families involved and, um, but at the end of the day, it was my job to try and get back on the horse, and um, and it wasn't about not being considerate of the situation. But you know, we didn't want everything to happen in vain. You know, we wanted to improve the safety in the sport. We worked with the FIA. Um, we need to try and continue our journey as well. And yeah, you had pretty solid results through that year. Ended up eighth, I think. Um, and and tell me about the relationship with Hyundai Motorsports and, and what happened after that. Yeah, look, it was it was a tough year for so many reasons. Um, definitely one of the darkest years in my life. Uh, and then, you know, towards the end of the year, we're starting to, you know, finally get some better results. And but unfortunately, our three-year contract, there was, you know, I guess politics as you get in all sports. Uh, mm. um, you know, I guess read its ugly head. And uh, unfortunately, then our, our contract for 2018 got cut in half. So yeah, at the end of the day, you know, once we come home to New Zealand uh, in the end of 2017. To reset, we, we made the decision to go, like, well, there's no point fighting this. We have to accept it. Uh, the next best thing we can do is, you know, get back on the horse and go out and do the best job that we possibly can with those seven rounds in 2018, prove our point, and, and get a contract again for 2019. So that's what we went out and did. And we had a reasonably good year in 2018. Uh, you know, we, we sort of got back to where we were. Um, we were the second highest point scoring driver in the team out of the four drivers. And, you know, the last three rallies we did with the team were on the podium twice. So, we sort of got back to where we were and, and we were hopeful then of a, a contract for the following year. And what happened? Well, <laughs> again, more politics, but, yeah. uh, you know, we, we had a deal done. Um, we'd shaken hands, we'd had several meetings to agree terms for 2019 and then, unfortunately, two weeks before Christmas, um, Sebastian Loeb, one of the most successful drivers of all time, nine-time world champion, just uh, totally want to come out of retirement. And um, unfortunately, as our piece of paper had yet to be signed um, oh, with gosh. our loyalty to the brand uh, of Hyundai, 
yeah, it was obviously that that hurt. It was unexpected. Um, but the silver lining is, you know, if you're going to get replaced by any trophy, you get replaced by a nine-time world champion. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it is, it is what it is, and that's what happened. Um, and you know, that's when we obviously had to return home to New Zealand and reset and and try and find another path. Yeah, and and looking at um, some you're racing over. I mean, I'm sure you just want to be out there racing. But looking sort of 2019, 2020, 2021, I'm sure COVID plays a part as well. It's all looking a bit sort of scrappy. Uh, races here and there. Um, where are you at now, Hayden? Because it sounds pretty exciting. For 2020, we had a part program, but then that was canned with COVID. 21, obviously, carrying on from that. And I guess we then made the decision through 22, 23 to, to go back with our own New Zealand team and, um, and and try and do it, I guess, with a privateer team, which you need to be in WRC 2 to do. You know, it's just not financially viable in the top level. So, we went after that, um, and of course, at the same time, we've been embarking on our own project that will hopefully set us up long-term, and a big part of that has been our electric rally car, which we, we built and launched as the first electric rally car in the world, and that's an ongoing R&D project for us uh, as a team, our flagship project, if you like, that's setting us up to, to take us around the world, but obviously, you know, pretty limited where we, we can compete with that car at the moment because of the rules and regulations, so that's why we're still uh, competing with the combustion car Obviously, this year was a very successful year for us in terms of um, winning uh, New Zealand Championship, but also to win that European Championship. You know, that that was our goal. Um, you know, knowing that no one from outside Europe had won it, and its seventh-year history was a a pretty strong pulling point for me to, to try and to try and correct that, if you like. So, um, you know, we went over there with that mindset of do what we've got to do to win the championship, and we took it round by round, and. Um, yeah, to pull that off was certainly pretty pleasing. That's uh, awesome. Relief, relief as well when you got you know pretty high end goals, um, but to achieve it makes it feel even better. Yeah, great. Do you think the future of rallying is electric? Not necessarily electric, but it does have to be in the form of of energy, whether that's electric or hydrogen or a hybrid of, of the two. Um, you know, the, the the reality is that the top end of sport, and as I said there earlier, you know, the investment levels that the manufacturers are spending is it has to be relevant to what's been sold on the showroom floor um, to the open public. And if the cars continue with combustion cars, um, like, you know, I'm as much of a petrified as anyone else yeah. in the sport, and I love the sound and smell, but at the end of the day, for our sport to be possible, we need the financial investments from the manufacturers or the big corporates to make yeah. it possible. And if the cars are not relevant, then it becomes equivalent to racing horses and selling cars. <laughs> they, they simply won't put the money in, and if they don't put the money in, the top end of the sport doesn't survive. So motorsport is the place where car manufacturers use as a test bed to test their cars, whether it be safety or performance, that then later on goes onto the open road. Um, and at the moment, the sport's been left behind uh, by you know just how quickly technology's advanced. Mm. And we need to keep up. So, um, you know, Hopefully our car helps make that statement of, of what can be possible. Yeah, and, and hopefully you working on it now gives you a bit of a sort of a first mover's advantage. Yeah, definitely. Like we're obviously a very small team. Uh, we can't change the sport, um, but we can make a statement and, and, like you say, get a head start so that once rules and things come around and, and, and we start seeing a lot more of this sort of stuff long term, that we can be in a position that we can put up our hands and go, look, we're, we're ready for this. You're still hungry for more podiums? I'm definitely hungry to keep driving and uh, <laughs> definitely always hungry to win. Um, you know, that's that's a big driving factor for me. And, um, you know, even beyond my driving side, you know, I'd like to think that our team um, can go a long way. Um, and that might be with other drivers or another structure or whatever it may be. But, you know, motorsport, as I say, is my life. And, and you know, I want to stay involved in it for a long time.
Good stuff. It's a privilege to talk to you. Thanks for all the excitement you've provided New Zealanders over the years. And uh, we're excited about the next few years, Hayden. Um, congratulations on what you've achieved. Good luck for the future. Great. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. That's Hayden Patton for our series on New Zealand sporting history.